my daughter Bethany sent a, a video. You know, she plays the violin. And, of course, when you're kids, you think they're the best at whatever they're doing. And I always thought she played the violin very well. And, you know, she has a six, seven-month-old baby, Jack. problem is whenever she plays the violin, Jack cries like anything. He can't stand it when she is playing the violin. Being a grandfather, I had the video. If anyone wants to see it, I'm more than happy to show it to you. Anyhow, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll start there in verse number 6. We spent the last, for several weeks introducing this, trying to get a good background scripturally from the Antichrist in different places in the Bible. Now we're going to move on through this uh, quicker. But verses 6 through 10, some important information here. Um, it says, And now we know... What withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time? Still speaking of the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of righteousness, of unrighteousness, excuse me, in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, while we ask your blessing upon the service tonight, I pray that you be glorified and honored in all that's said and done. Lord, I pray that you'd work. I pray for your mercy, your grace, your help. Help me to stay true to your word. May this strengthen us. May it help us to be grounded. And Lord, please bless and work. I pray this in Christ's name. And Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, I pray for that conviction, that drawing that your spirit does, that even tonight, Lord, they repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the church at Thessalonica, as you know, we've come into this. They're a young church. Uh, they have been struggling with things concerning the return of Christ. Once again, we get into the second epistle. The primary reason for it is because they thought they missed the rapture. This was a church that was under tremendous persecution, trials and troubles, and somebody had come along, a false teacher, um, even claiming letters, perhaps from the Apostle Paul himself, stating that they have missed it, and none of that was true. And Paul is trying to encourage them to let them know they have not missed it, and he's been pointing to different things, remind them, don't forget what you've already already been taught. Uh, he sent for the first Thessalonians, let them know the rapture will take place. Before all this, the time of this great tribulation begins, we were not appointed to wrath. And he goes on to more details now in this chapter about the Antichrist. Now, he has not been revealed yet. Um, that's another reason why we know you haven't missed anything. The, the true, the Antichrist, this man of sin. Um, if you notice, it actually doesn't call him the Antichrist here in this. It's the name we attach to it. Um, and uh, it refers to him by, by obviously by different names um, here in this, the son of uh, perdition um, and the man of sin and whatnot. Anyhow, um, and so we've been looking at the Antichrist when he will come on the scene. This is a man, of course, that Satan will be using during the Great Tribulation. And uh, we've looked at it in Daniel chapter 7, 9, 11, Revelation chapter uh, 13, Revelation chapter 17. 
And so we know that he will come on the scene quickly after the rapture takes place with the very first seal, with this peacemaker that's going to come on the scene. And then as we've been looking at, he will assume his power, his authority, his worship at three and a half year mark. He will head into the temple. He will break the peace. He will proclaim himself God. And he will destroy all world religions at that moment. And he will require the world to worship him. And that will last also for 42 months. And so we've been looking at that for the last several weeks. Today, in our text, we get more information about him. We're going to look at three things primarily tonight. In our text, I outlined it like this. If you want to follow, we're going to look at his prevention, his power, and his punishment. Now remember, for the Christian, the return of Christ is our hope. It is a great hope for us. We live in a world that is rapidly increasing in wickedness. I mean, we can just look at events, even this week, that have taken place, things that are just so vile, so wretched, so wicked. I mean, truly, it is, it is, it's come to a point that I could not imagine 20 years ago that we would see what we're seeing take place right now. And, but for us, our hope is, of course, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know how all this is going to end. We don't have to look. If you just look around you at the circumstances, you're going to be discouraged. We look at our hope, and that is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be thankful. We, not, we are not to be dismayed. Be thankful that you have the truth, and take your responsibility serious to tell others to be salt and light in this world. What, what Paul is talking about here is going to come to pass. I mean, really, more and more, it's, it's, I'm going to be just shocked if we are not the generation that is alive when the rapture takes place. Things are unfolding at such a rapid rate right now. Do you remember uh, several months ago, I did a message after that Amazon, was it Amazon One thing that came out that you buy with now? There's now, they showed up in my feed, there's now commercials, you can buy it now for buying and selling that you can just use your hand to buy and sell with. I mean, so it's, it's, it's the, the t- remember I, I said the testing phase was due to be over with a few months after I preached it. It's over with, and it is now officially out there. So just think of that. The logistics for what is described in Revelation for buying and selling is in place. We had to speculate before that that something like this would exist. And you can see it with the back of the hand going to be visible. You can just see it that without that mark being there, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. You can literally see how this could transpire just like that overnight. But again, we are not to be dismayed. Anyhow, let's look tonight what we learn now about the Antichrist. Some important things. These are some texts that sometimes can throw some people off and some bad doctrines can be formed. But they're pretty clear and pretty obvious, as I think you're going to see tonight. We're going to start off by looking at the prevention of the Antichrist or the restraining that is currently taking place. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Speaking of the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So let's dive into this a little bit. There is clearly something in these two verses that is restraining, that is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed, from assuming the power, from doing what, he, what Satan wants to accomplish with the Antichrist. There is a prevention that has been taking place, a restraining. God will not allow it until it's proper time. God is in control. God has things in place to keep things from developing uh, from that man of sin until it is time. 
This will come about only in God's time. And until that time, there will always be something preventing it from taking place, preventing uh, the Antichrist or Satan using this man from doing what he truly wants to do. And make no mistake, you can see this throughout all of Bible history. Satan would like to get it over as soon as possible. He's always been trying to destroy, to thwart God's plans, to destroy God's people. That's always been there, but there's been restraint in place. The question is from our text, what is doing the restraining? What is it that is causing the prevention of this from taking place? Now, as we read the text, the church of Thessalonica, Paul says, you already know. Well, how do they know? Well, because Paul told them. That would have been nice had he been told us clearly in the text, but he doesn't. But I do think as we look at 6 and 7, I think it does become very obvious what it is he's talking about. I think there's only one conclusion you could possibly come up with. Now, when you look at commentaries, woo, there's a list of things they list that could be the preventing, depending on who you read. Some say that it's the preaching of the gospel, that that is the prevention, that the preaching of the gospel going forth, that that is what is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed. Others say it's, it's the Jewish state, the state of Israel that is preventing it from taking place. Some say, the charismatic line, it's the binding of Satan that is going on today among believers that go around binding Satan. That, yeah. <laughs> Some say it's the church. The church is restrained by her influence, the fact of believers still present here on the earth, that that is the restraining force that is there. Some say it's even human government, the fact that God has given this institution of human government to provide a sense of law and, and, and morality throughout cultures, that that is preventing it. Um, others were talking about how it used to be believed in times past, going all the way back to the Roman Empire was the entity, but of course that has long been vanquished. Some say it's actually referring to Michael... Uh, the archangel referring to Daniel chapter 10 and verse 21. But I don't think it's any of those things, and, and I think we see that in our text, that it can't possibly be any of those. I think the answer is in the text. One, we know whatever it is, it has to be a supernatural force. We're dealing with Satan. I certainly don't think humans are able to prevent that. Uh, besides, whatever it is, is taken out of the way. That's not us. Humans are going to be present when it happens. I don't think any human effort could stop the supernatural power of Satan. That being the case, it eliminates almost all of those reasons that are given, with the exception of, of, of Michael, but I, I think he might be assisting at best. He certainly isn't the power behind it. Some, though, would try and make the, one of the stronger arguments for us being here, believers still being here, all the churches, the, the, the genuine, true converts of Christ with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Um, some make an argument for that. And make no mistake, we certainly have an effect on culture. I don't argue that. We do. We have an effect on it. But as, as you can tell by looking around you right now, is the world getting better or worse? It's getting much worse. Is that now what the Bible said would take place? All right. The primary effect that we have is on those in this building, to be honest. And we have an effect when it comes because of, uh, of us following Christ. We can have an effect on government when it comes to voting and different things like that. We recognize that as the nation of America with a Christian foundation. But we can quickly see how rapidly that can change. Rapidly that can change. <clears throat> so I think we have a restraining force by the fact that we are salt and light. But to the effect of the Antichrist himself, I think, I think that's simply not possible. 
the power that is holding this back has to be supernatural. Like I said, Satan doesn't want to wait on God. And we know God is in control. The time will come when his evil and his power are fully released in this world. But it will not come until God allows it. So, what is doing the restraining? The answer is found in verse 6 and 7. I want you to notice something here. You might want to underline this. And now, verse 6, And now you know what withholdeth. Okay, you might want to underline that. Now jump to verse 7. For the mystery of, of iniquity hath already worked, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. It's interesting here, the grammatical structure of this, but I think it's in that that it tells us exactly what is doing the restraining here. In verse 6, it is neuter. It is that the word is not masculine. It's not, it's not uh, feminine. What is withholding? It's neutered. It's referring to a force, even, if you will, at that point. But in verse 7, when it's still referring to the exact same thing, it now gives it masculine. He who now letteth will let. It changed. Do we see anything like this other, elsewhere in Scripture? We do. The, the discourse that takes place in the upper room in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, we see it as well, used interchangeably back and forth with God's Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and that is what we're seeing here. So, and that's what makes the most sense with this text, with what we see in other portions of Scripture, with what we see in different places like in Genesis chapter 3 in the destruction of the flood that is coming, with God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. There is even a restraining, in other words, that was taking place there. We see what is given to us, even when Christ is describing the work of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 13 through 17, with that, that last sermon, if you are, discourse with his uh, uh, disciples before he was arrested. And, and he deals with the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, it switches back and forth in that text. Back and forth between masculine and a neuter form of that word. Back and forth it rotates, just like it does right here. It talks about his convicting and his work here on this earth. There's a restraining idea that is to it. And, of course, that is supernatural in its power. So it certainly makes the most sense that what we are dealing with is God's Spirit has been doing the restraining, who is the active force on the earth right now. He is the active person of the Trinity that is in force, and we even see it later on during the thousand-year reign when he is bound. God is the one that does the binding, even the restraining then. <clears throat> so it's God's Spirit that is doing the restraining that is preventing Satan from doing all that he wants to do. Now when God's Spirit allows it, then he will be revealed, and evil will take over a much greater level than what we are seeing right now. A whole nother level. Just think of how much evil God's Holy Spirit is holding back right now. Now, this is going to begin to happen, I believe, of course, when we are removed at the rapture. But that's because that is the first bit of revealing of the Antichrist with the first seal. But even then, I believe it's somewhat limited because of, of this text here. It's not fully known until when? 
the midpoint. That's when it's completely known who we're dealing with. But I believe that evil will begin when he begins to come on the scene, that that's when it's going to start being fully developed at the 42-month mark when he goes into that temple. Evil will escalate beyond what this world has ever seen. Now, it's important to note, if you've been taught this before, God's Spirit will not leave the earth. It's not possible. He's just allowing. He's now letting. He's stopping the restraining. There's going to be multitudes upon multitudes who convert to the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen without the Spirit of God. He will still be very active, just the restraining will stop. Again, just think for a minute what happens when the restraining stops. Imagine the evil that will be in place. We've seen in our lifetime where God, as I put it this way in a couple of different messages, that God has been removing roadblocks as we have turned against him, allowing more evil from man's heart to come. Just think, we're seeing the evil from our wretched hearts, that God's turning us over to ourselves, according to Romans chapter 1. Just wait until he removes the roadblock of Satan himself. Actually, this is sort of what's talked about in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Let's discuss the wording that's right there real quick. It says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Well, that's what it's saying. Right now, there's a measure of this force, of this evil that's taking place right now. Of course, we're seeing it. It's just not going to fully come to pass until that time when God allows it, when that restraining happens. But even though the restraining there doesn't stop all evil, we're still, we're still seeing Satan's influence in this world and, and his power to a certain degree, but not to what is going to be allowed to take place fully during the Great Tribulation. But it's already at work now, but it's just limited. <clears throat> but imagine when the restraining ends. Just think how cruel and how horrible this world is going to be. These people now that even this week, in their own minds, they're just mocking and playing a game and acting like they're worshiping Satan. That day is coming. They have no idea how horrible, horrible it's going to be. And again, it just makes sense with all that's taking place. We're going to be the generation. Now, the Bible also describes for us, we have the restraining and prevention, but now let's look at this power that is brought up here during this time. So, when the revealing takes place, when God's Spirit steps out of the way to allow Satan to use the Antichrist to its fullest extent, look at the power. Verse 9 and 10. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Interesting stuff here. We see the power of the Antichrist coming to pass. Satan empowers him. The word means this power in action. Now what's interesting here is it deal, the three words it gives here. Think about this. Power, signs, and wonders. We've seen it in two other places in the New Testament. 
dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles. And now with Satan. I mean, think of what he's going to have the power. This is not fake miracles. It's not. That's not what it's implying at all. It's implying that at the end, it's pointing them to a false truth. To something that isn't right. Satan's not going to be the Messiah. He certainly isn't God. But through his miracles, through his powers, that's what he's going to get the world to believe. He comes in, the Antichrist will come in very real satanic power. It will be limited, but it's real. Let me quote from one commentator who was talking about this. His wording is far better than mine. He said this, Would you please note it says, With all power or all miracles, signs, and false wonders, literally miracles, signs, and wonders that are false and deceptive. False, not in the sense that they are fakery, but they might lead to a false conclusion about who he is. Power, what is that? Mighty displays of supernatural acts. Signs, pointing to him as the one who does them. Pointing to his supernatural power. Wonders, getting the astonishing results. He will do powerful miracles which will point to him as a supernatural being and create wonder and shock and astonishment. So much so that the people will conclude that he is divine. The Jews conclude that he is the Messiah. People will conclude that he is God. He will set himself up as God. The world will fall at his feet and worship him. He will consume all other religions. The whole world will bow down to him. And anybody who doesn't will be destroyed by him. When he comes in with this power and these miracles, it's genuine. I mean, think of the power, calling fire down from heaven. I mean, he's going to mimic a lot of these miracles. People are just going to see it. Just like today, the danger of people, you know, I've talked with people even involved in the charismatic movement that could, at times, will, will literally care less what this says because they know what they saw. The deception will be strong by this man. He will deceive the entire world. The world will fall down and worship him, believing him to be God. His power will deceive and damn many. Now, I want you to notice, this will help us today when we evangelize even today. Look at verse 10. It says, and with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. This part I found very interesting. As to why they did not believe. I mean, it's based, of course, on the deception of the miracles. That's there. But the wording was, they received not the love of the truth. Love of the truth. That tells us a key reason why men do not convert. It's not because of a lack of knowledge. It's not because they haven't heard. It's because they don't love truth. Think of what that means. It's not an intellect problem. It's a heart problem. It's not that they don't understand. It's they don't love truth. 
this is why you can try and witness to somebody. At, at times you're just amazed, why? We've all been there. You're just stunned that they won't convert. They don't want to. Men love darkness rather than light. Again, the unbelief is not a matter of the mind. It's not a matter of the intellect. It's a matter of the heart. Men don't love truth, so they reject it. If they had loved truth, if they truly wanted to know what was right, know what would have happened? They wouldn't have been deceived. God's Spirit would have been right there letting them know, this is truth. This is right. Now, lastly, we come to his punishment. That's back in verse 8. I jumped it just because I wanted to finish with his punishment there. 9 and 10 dealt with his power. 6 and 7 dealt with, dealt with his prevention, the restraining. Then lastly, tonight, quickly, we just see his punishment. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. He will have the height of his power. The Lord will give him 42 months with it. Three and a half years. That's it. Again, as we went through the book of Revelation, remember there's something that I stressed throughout on how horrible it would be to live on this planet. Because you have two things going on at the exact same time. That either one of them individually is horrible and has enormous ramifications. You have the Antichrist and his power being destructive. But on top of it, you have God's judgment coming down. You have both taking place. And when the Lord returns, what's interesting here is, just looking at at what words are used in verse 8, it's not even a word that destroys the Antichrist. He doesn't even give them that much attention. It's his breath. It doesn't say the words of his mouth. The spirit. And that's the same word for breath. I mean, it's just like when he comes in the brightness of his glory, he's just going to breathe. And he's done. Destroyed. Just like that. Again, people talk about this great battle of Armageddon. It's just like David with Goliath. There's not going to be a great battle. Do we understand that? (laughs) There's there's not going to be a battle. It's over with when Christ returns. There's no sword fighting going on. There's not gun shooting. They're not shooting missiles up at Christ. It's just over with. It's done. It'll end. So although this man who the world's been bowing down to and has been causing this destruction really for 6,000 years... I love the wording here because when the Lord comes, when the Lord decides to destroy the Antichrist, who is Satan's ultimate goal, he doesn't even use a word. He just breathes. With the spirit of his mouth, the glory of his coming, he is destroyed. That will be his end. And at that time, you think about that. We have just experienced the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are returning with Him to the earth. We'll have a couple of month delay here while we have the judgment of the sheep and the goats that will take place. 
And then you have the thousand-year reign of Christ that will take place. I am so looking forward to that time. And then it just gets even better. Because from there, we go on to a new heaven and new earth after that time concludes. So just, just incredible. With heads bowed and eyes closed.